0: Com. Hello everybody and welcome back to another Lights, Camera, Sports podcast presented by Chestnut Hill Technologies. I'm your host Mike Galtieri. So lucky to have you on board and lucky to have a great guest. One of the legends of the BC football community. You know him. Former offensive lineman, early 80s, Steve Lively joins us. He's a big fan, big supporter of the program and we are so excited to tell his story and get his thoughts on the program uh, and, and go from there. So i like to remind everybody, if you're a B.C. football fan, you got to join the B.C. Football Gridiron Club. That's bcfootballgridiron.com to sign up and get more details. Okay, with that, we now welcome in Steve Lively joins us. Steve, first of all, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Mike,
1: thank you for having me. It's a pleasure.
0: Okay, Steve. All my guests, I love to learn the history I know you grew up in the 60s and 70s and played at BC in the early 80s. Just kind of give us a talk about your childhood, where you grew up, and how you migrated to Boston College.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm a product of Boston. Uh, my dad was stationed in the Coast Guard in Boston. Uh, and so, really, I was uh, born at the old Boston City Hospital. And uh, and so we lived in, in uh, Roxbury and Dorchester. And finally, uh, my parents made a decision to move out to the Burbs. Uh, and so I grew up within the Mansfield school system uh, and, you know, from there into, into, ended up at Boston college.
0: And then what, I guess that that's a good story. What Recruiting wise was football always your top sport and how did you choose BC from high school?
1: Well, you, you know, I, I, I was kind of unique. I, I had the body of a man, but I was still a kid. Uh, and so there were challenges with that. I was, you know, uh, in junior high school, I was about 75 to 80 pounds over the, the weight, so I couldn't play pop one or football.
0: That's how you got the name Big uh, Steve, right?
1: <laughs> what, what's
0: that? That's how you got that nickname, Big Steve.
1: <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. I mean, I was, you know, I was a big kid. And so, you know, the middle school, uh, Frank Signelli was the middle school principal at the time, and he said, you know what, if we start a league at the junior high school level, Steve... We could probably dominate teams. It would be great for you to learn football because I didn't really know football. Um, I hadn't played it uh, before middle school. Uh, I and mean, so he formed a league, near the Scholastic Middle School League in Mansfield, and they scheduled Franklin and Bourne and schools like that. And we had great success. The unfortunate thing was at that time, the high school, I think, had uh, two to three years of losing every game. Uh, and so, you know, it was tough to watch the high school program going through what it went through, but uh, you know, we were blessed because once we I got to high school, um, we did fairly well. We did win a league championship, and uh, it was a great experience overall.
0: And then, so how did BC come calling for you? What other schools were you looking at, was B, or is BC always your top option?
1: Well, it, it's interesting. I was actually running track over in uh, Franklin, Mass, and uh, a guy by the name of R.W. R. Prout had his uh, Motorola phone in his car, and he saw me running on the track. And he says, you know, what college do you play for? And I said, Mr. Prout, I'm in eighth grade. <laughs> uh, and so that, that's how big the body was. And I said to him, yeah, I'm in eighth grade, and I'm heading into the high school. He goes, well, let me make an introduction uh, to Notre Dame. I'm a proud Notre Dame alum. And I'm going to get a guy by the name of Joe uh, Joe Yanto on the phone, who's a coach on the staff out there. Uh, and so he did. He made a phone call, and this gentleman by the name of Joe Yanto got on the phone. We had a nice conversation, uh, and I ended up visiting while I was in the high school. Um, and so I was recruited widely, um, you know, back then because I, I played the fullback position. So. I was a fairly good-sized fullback at 245 in high school. I got up to about 260. Um, and so a lot of schools had taken note of a, you know, a big body like this being a little move. I also ran track. Um, and so um, a coach from B.C. Um, reached out and said, hey, look, why don't we have a conversation? And then at one point, what, you make a trip to, to B.C.? So I had... I chose BC was both my parents were ill at the time, but of all the schools that I visited, uh, I liked the athletes a lot more at Boston College, and I liked the, uh, the core values of the university back then, because I was very, very influenced by the Catholic faith uh, being in Mansfield. Uh, so it just aligned perfectly. My dad didn't want me to go to Notre Dame. He didn't want me to go to Penn State or the other schools that I had um, the opportunity to go to. It just felt right to go to Boston College, and I'm
0: glad that I did. And then, so take us back to that time, Steve, early '80s. What were the facilities like? The program, the mindset. You, obviously, Flutie was just coming on board as well. Very exciting times at the Heights. Well, you know, it,
1: it, when I first started, we were the old and '11 team. Uh, and oh boy, yeah, makes sense. Yeah, it didn't
0: make sense, yeah, it, it
1: didn't make sense uh, because if you look at the athletes that we had on the team, they're. Were- that played in the NFL, but for whatever reason, when the new coach came in, his name was Ed Klebeck, you know, things just didn't click. I don't know what it was. Uh, and it seems like a lot of people were out for themselves and we didn't play as a collective unit. Uh, and that was problematic. Uh, and so what happened was when they made a change from Ed Klebeck to Jack McNeil, the key to the success of that whole thing was when Tom Coffin came in as, as a member of that staff. Um, because, as you know, he's very analytical. He's very much like Belichick, and he's very much like uh, Bill Purcells. Uh, and from that perspective, uh, he's a foundation layer. So you had Dick Nell there, who had the personality. Uh, and then the great thing about Boston College was what Barry Gallup contributed to the university, um, because he was the guy that brought Flutie in. Uh, And so what happened was, you know, I came in uh, and what happened was that, you know, that um, the personality of Tom Coughlin was written all over that program. Uh, And he was a hellion. I mean, everything had to be structured on both sides of the ball. uh, And then we had a balance. So we had now with the kind of easy, jovial personality And then we had Tom, I wouldn't call him the hammer, but he was very much like you see in Belichick today. He's into systems and discipline. And I think that that's what really helped Doug um, be so successful at Boston College because they spent a lot of time together and he gave Doug what Doug needed, which was a platform to show his capabilities. Uh, And if you uh, go back to those times, They were very special times in Boston College history. I mean, we didn't think after that Penn State game when Doug came in, Mike, I didn't think we'd ever lose another football game my whole career at Boston College after that. Wow. Yeah, it was a huge cultural change within within Boston College uh, athletics because it energized everybody, uh, and it energized New England. I mean, what was neat was anywhere in New England, we were known. I mean, we were as big as the Celtics were uh, because Boston really came out and supported Boston College football. Uh, And I tell people, um, Boston is a college town when a college town is committed uh, to what Boston College was committed to back then, which was be the best that you can possibly be. Um, And so you know the success with Flutie there, and, and he had a host of people around him that with was, was, was great, talented people, he never got touched. Uh, we would die for him. Uh, when I say that, I mean that we wouldn't let anybody get to him. Uh, and if anybody, threw, which was very, very rare that that would happen, uh, he would scramble and, and nobody could catch him. But the culture was that everybody had to give their soul to the program. And you had uh, assistant coaches where – you know, sometimes they would go at each other verbally in front of us. And so what you had, Mike, was you had distinct personalities on that football team. Uh, and you had Steve Diossi, who you know, he was a great one. Uh, and you had Brian Brennan, who was a great one. You had Salem, who was a great one. You, and you had uh, kind of like, I will not want say we were egos, but we're strong individuals. You want strong individuals who really believe in self. Bell as a unit, and that starts with your position coach. So what happened was we went from having no good assistant coaching to great assistant coaching when Mike Mazer came in under under, Bell, uh, under uh, Jack Bicknell. He learned and we learned, and we were confrontational with him when he first came in, literally. Uh, we questioned him because he came out of a background, I think, from UNH and Maine. And we weren't happy with that. But what happened was, as we understood that he uh, was learning and he was growing and he had a distinct personality of, you know, getting uh, chew and spitting chew and listening to Willie Nelson music, he had an attitude. (laughs) And that's what defined the position. We had an attitude on both sides of the ball. And, Mike, we were confrontational in practice with each other. He was confrontational mentally against the defensive line coach. So when we squared off against each other, we really went at each other. And the truth of the matter is, uh, when you play football, practices should be harder than the actual game that you're playing on. That's how hard you should go after each other. I spent a little bit of time with the Giants, and I can tell you right now that Lawrence Taylor never, never gave up in terms of his pursuit of getting to that quarterback, it, 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 it didn't matter if he was in a live game or he was in a practice. He was full goal, 24 hours, three sixty 360, you know, 365 days a year. And, and that's what it is. It's the culture. Uh, and so we had a culture that we weren't going to allow anybody to come across the LOS and mess with Doug. Nobody. I mean, I mean, it, it would be a holy war before we let that happen.
0: Chestnut Hill Technologies is a leading technology integration and cybersecurity consulting firm, based in the Boston area and owned by a BC alum. CHT provides world-class strategy and consulting to Fortune 500 and mid-cap firms throughout New England and nationally, including State Street Bank, Amgen Pharma, and Intel Corporation. Check them out at ChestnutHillTechnologies.com. That's ChestnutHillTechnologies.com. After you played at BC, tell us. You said you mentioned you spent time with the Giants. Where did you go from there, Steve, and how did you get involved in your career professionally uh, since graduation in the 80s?
1: Sure, sure. So what happened was I ended up going out to, I think I first went out to Seattle. uh, Gotcha. And I wasn't out in Seattle long because I got moved from Seattle to the Cleveland Browns. Uh, and so yeah, I was a free agent going to, to those both those locations uh, and I'd be honest with you I, I it was weird uh, I enjoyed the college experience much more than I did the pro experience okay uh, yeah well you know because I think for me um, I had had I was at the end of my football career and I remember when I ended up with the Giants uh, Parcel says you can you, but you're so cerebral, you think too much. And I said to him, I don't know, I think I'd rather be in the private sector making money than ramming my head up against somebody and seeing bright lights. <laughs> we were, and Mike, we laughed about that, but you know, my career ended with the Giants, uh, and I enjoyed every minute of the experience. But for me, I really enjoyed that whole whole time in my life at Boston College and and that that whole era, uh, you know, they call it the Flutie era, but really, it isn't one guy, it's the, the entire team. I know that they give it, you know, they call it the Flutie era, but when you think about the talent that was on the teams that he played on, he had impeccable talent on both sides of the ball, and I always say to people today, I wish when they give out a Heisman Trophy, they should give it to the entire team, because uh, the head coaches, what they do and their commitments, to the road, all the things that take place in terms of you know when you're, when you're in spring practice when you're in winter workouts, it's the entire team that makes that, that one individual great and make, gives him a platform to stand out. Phelan went across the middle and you, you never saw him drop the ball. When you saw Scott Knizek going across the middle, he never dropped the ball. So everybody played at a higher level because the system demanded that you play at a higher level. And and one quick thing. You look at the New England Patriots, the system is now in place. You will see them back in the the Super Bowl in the next two to three years. Because the system is what dictates the performance of the players.
0: I, I thank you for coming on. I thank you for your passion.
1: Mike, I appreciate it. I just love because I got to experience it. I know the impact that it has on on the lives of the players. afterwards. which, when when they win, I'm happy for them. When they lose, when they lose, I'm in pain uh, because that's what you when, when you're part of something like this. And we were we played at a high level. Um, you want them. You want the, the players here today and those coming in to have the same opportunities to get to where we were and even better. And, and that's why we fight.
0: Well, Steve, let's see. Maybe we can finish the season off strong here, nice couple wins, and then head into a strong, strong 2022, Steve. Th- thank you so much for joining on the podcast. Mike, I can't
1: thank you enough for having me. It's my first podcast, so I hope I didn't uh, talk to him too much.
0: <laughs> no, you're great. We're great. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, sir. God bless.